Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Now, food brings people together and promotes community. And at Principle of Hospitality, we are here to disrupt the current perceptions of what the hospitality industry can achieve in today's ever-evolving and challenging environment. So that's why we're so proud to partner with Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia on this season of Poe. Now, Chef Prep are revolutionizing meal prep, and the idea was brought out of their personal frustration with ready-made meals and existing meal delivery services. They grew tired of spending hours on weekends preparing meals for the following week and weren't satisfied with the taste, quality, or convenience of meal kit delivery services or mass-manufactured ready-to-made meals. So they decided to take matters into their own hands and set up an online marketplace where you can order your weekly ready meal from premium award-winning restaurants in Sydney for an affordable price. So today, it's great to sit down and chat with one of the co-founders, Joshua Abulafia. I knew I was going to stuff that up, Josh. Great to have you on the podcast, man. Great to be here. Great to be here. That's okay. Everyone always gets my name wrong, so I sometimes get it wrong myself. I think it's a bit of a, I think most people who listen to the podcast on a regular basis um, probably probably have a giggle every time I do an intro and stuff up the person's last name, so that's okay. Um, I'm uh, terrible with names as well. <laughs> I always screw up everyone's names, so <laughs> I'm guilty. Mate, it's um, mate, it's so good to have you on, and, and obviously we talked um, a couple of weeks ago as well about, about the challenges at the moment as we record this sort of in mid-August, um, you know, Sydney's in lockdown where you guys are. I'm in lockdown in Melbourne, so at least we're singing from the same song sheet at the moment. But let, let's talk about this great brand. It's it's obviously kicking goals um, in the Sydney marketplace, and you guys are really, you know, really caring about uh, Sydney restaurateurs and and where you're taking this brand. So let's talk about how this how this brand started out. Yeah, so really. Um for me personally, um, I was had worked in restaurants for a while mm-hmm. and my original ambition was to become a chef and a restaurateur. Yes. And I worked for when I was illegally working when I was 13 um, <laughs> and worked for about eight years. And, you know, during that time period, I got to work with some great restaurants and the plan was to uh, become a chef and start my own restaurant and do all that. Um, but what I ended up deciding to do was not pursue that. And that's because effectively a number of the restaurants that I worked at, um, you know, ended up going out of business and really it wasn't their fault. It was um, a function of, you know, a bad period of trading. And I always come down to this restaurant that I worked at that was a local favorite and it was uh, called North Bondi Italian food. And it's the closest restaurant you can possibly have to Bondi beach. It's like literally on the beach, high foot traffic, (laughs) <laughs> busy um and then just like had a bad period in winter and ended up going uh bankrupt because i was working there and it just said to me that you know the industry if you have all these amazing creative people and people that love them um and love the work that they do um the staff are incredibly hard working and talented and people love them but they can't make it work the one who's like on the iconic bondi beach there's something wrong and i wanted to think about the next uh, technology business that i 
uh, worked on was to try solve that problem. Like how do we actually fundamentally solve the problem of restaurants having um, unreliable revenue streams yep. and building a product for them so that they can have some level of sustainability and flexibility. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we started thinking about in terms of the challenge. But that's when my partner, who's also my co-founder, um, came up with the idea. And that was the back of a personal frustration that she had where you know she was extremely busy working long hours and then we were doing meal prep on the weekends and we we're doing all this you know going out of the shops and cooking and, and and making batch meals and it was just eating up all the time and she just said you know like we can't be in a place where we're working monday to friday and then saturday and sunday we're meal prepping and then just that, that does, that's our lives it's Get yes. to have some free time to have some fun. <laughs> so I so said, yeah, that's a good point. And then we tried all the options out there, which was like Uber Eats. And I think, you know, your listeners will know that one, it, it doesn't really work for the restaurants um, overall with this model of they take a cut and then it arrives cold and upside yep. down and broken. And then also um, it's left in the wrong place half the time. And sometimes they just don't show up and you're the fifth order on their run. So it's just terrible. And we're just like, okay, this is not good. And we feel crap eating it. And then we tried the meal kits and it's like, okay, great. Like, do I really want to be someone doing my grocery shopping for me and give me a knob of ginger and I have to cut it up and still wash up and cook up and all this plastic lying around? So just like this is still not working, and then we looked at ready-made meals like the Ufoods and my Muscle Chef. Like this is perfect; it's quick, easy, uh, affordable. I just have it in the fridge, pull it out. This yep. is fantastic. Um, but we just didn't like the quality, and that's when Ellie came up with the idea of well, what happens if we took restaurants out mm-hmm. um, and leverage their excess capacity and focusing on restaurants to make it. Yep. And I really think the, the key insight that we had was that you know all these services. Uh, out there like um, Uber Eats and Menulog and DoorDash, you know, they do provide a revenue stream, but it's still at the same time where people are eating in the service. So yep. it's it's additive to like what they're already doing in the restaurant. But a, a number of partners, you know, they don't have that busy days of like a Monday, you know, they're not super busy usually on, on that day or they have, you know, morning shifts where the restaurant is not in use. Yep. So what we want to do is build a product that could allow restaurants to use their downtime to make products so they mm-hmm. add new revenue things instead of taking away mm-hmm. but also what we notice and this is something that we're getting better at articulating is that the internet has not really impacted restaurants in the right way so really what it's done is shift local online you can still only get a delivery from uh menu log or doordash or Deliveroo if it's within five kilometers um usually yeah. it's one kilometer so 20 minutes mm-hmm. that doesn't really um help the restaurant all it does is a uh, keep them within their existing market. So by focusing on uh, our model where we store the meals for the restaurants, um, they have longer shelf lives, we can then expand the delivery radius. So now restaurants aren't serving the thousands of people in the neighborhood, they're serving the whole state. The audience is now millions of people uh, as opposed to thousands. And this also then benefits the end customer where they go, okay, you know, I may be, uh, you know, in Sydney here, we have all these suburbs where people are living, um, like, uh, for example, uh, affluent suburbs like the North Shore and Mossman, um, yes. where there aren't that many restaurants around. So these people don't have access to restaurants and quick meals. So for us, we can go, let's take the downtime of the restaurants, give them new ways to make money, but then pair that with, um, you know, a, a whole audience of people who don't have access to these food. And then this way we can also empower the restaurants to come back to that main point of going, here's a way restaurants can make revenue streams that are stable because 
They make them, they store the meals there, they tick along in the background, and it's a steady revenue stream. And this is what our partners reflected back to us. They go, okay, you know, in the downtime, at least we had chef prep on in the background so that when we went into lockdown, we actually have some revenue coming in the door, unlike, you know, having to pivot everything towards takeaway. It's like yeah. that model is still working there. And, you know, if they're busy at points in time, they don't have to add more meals. If they are, uh, you know, less busy, they can do more. So it's really giving them the flexibility and the power to do that. Yeah. I think I, that's something I haven't actually thought about before. If you look at the really affluent suburbs and that kind of stuff, there aren't there sometimes aren't a lot of restaurants because obviously there's more money in the residential market in having residential market and then putting restaurants in there because restaurants in a really affluent market are obviously really expensive per square meter. So I didn't think of that, but that's that's actually a really smart point as well. Um, well, also, also mm. the other one, it's like, it's not even affluent people. It's just like everyone, like this is, we talk about democratizing access to these restaurants. It's like, mm. uh, you know, um, you know, our family and Ellie's family is in the Hawkesbury and there's just like not choice there. And it's like, we deliver to there now. So it's like, yeah. what, why should they not have access to meals? It's like everyone should have access to great restaurants and these restaurants should be able to serve these people great meals at an affordable price and give them a fantastic experience. And just because you don't live in a pocket of dense suburbs near the CBD doesn't mean you shouldn't have the choice and the options. Yeah, I totally agree. So, so obviously you guys started the platform in 2020, right? In la- last year? No. In 21? No, no, no. We, yeah, we, we, sorry, we're, We've done a lot in a short period of time. People always uh, uh, wig out. When we say, well, we came up with the idea in January and launched uh, uh, middle of May. And now we've got like nine restaurants live, another like 20 going live and just uh, a team of seven full time now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we moved quickly. Uh, you to moved very really quickly. Try shift. Um, and our focus has been on just helping as many restaurants as possible. So we know that like, this is an extremely tough time. We just want to support them as much as possible. Yeah. Has it, has it been obviously with you guys being in a, in a longer lockdown at the moment in Sydney and this being a Sydney, a Sydney forward facing brands at the moment, like, have you found it challenging to get these venues on board and have a conversation with you? Because they're just, you know, the, I imagine a lot of the people that you talk to Josh, are just trying to survive right so you're you guys are a, a really great platform but maybe just another conversation they're not sure about right now i think um what kind of happened for us is that we spent a period of time uh from i guess like that january period to the may period before we launched um uh testing all the assumptions by just talking to the restaurants yeah and originally we had a model where it was fresh um the the it was you know uh same day pick up and like all, all these different assumptions that we went in um uh with how the model should work and we just really listened to the restaurants and they kind of explained to us all their limitations so specifically around like storage and the times they need available and all, all these different aspects that like uh, you wouldn't know about going in so what that allowed us to do is not build anything or design anything um that wouldn't make the sell easy. So effectively, we took a period of learning of going, can we do it this way? No, this doesn't work for this reason. Can we do it this way? No, it doesn't work for this reason. Well, what if we do this way? And effectively, we're finding that it's really easy for us to get the restaurants involved and on board. And we actually got, um, you know, people are coming to us now and asking to be involved because the way it's designed, it's like, okay, it's the opposite of the way everyone's done it before where we're telling people how to do things. It's like, no, no, no. We've just designed this flexible system that works on your schedule and the way you want it. So everyone's mm-hmm. just going, you mean 
I have the control and I have the power now. This is not something I've been used to doing before. Great, let's go. As opposed to like, you have to be at this time, you have to have all this ambiguity. You don't know if you're going to sell a lot. It's like, it just takes away that. So it's made it easier by listening. And I think we want to continue doing that as we evolve by going, okay, what do we actually need to build for you guys next? As opposed to us dictating to you how it should work. Yeah, exactly. Like listening to your customer segment, actually figuring out and building a, building the platform around them. Yeah. What, what, um, what things have you guys changed sort of in the first six months that you didn't think you were going to change when you guys started out at the start of the year? Well, uh, kind of if you look at restaurants overall, and the, I'm sure restaurateurs are going to be like, okay, this is the most obvious thing. Why are you guys incapable of thinking about it? Um, <laughs> you're not that bright. So restaurants are just geared up for seats. Like yeah. that's the only way that they make money. Storage, they don't have any room to hold products or stock. And kind of a model where we sell, they make the goods, they store them, we pick them up and deliver them. It's just not going to work mm. for the restaurant, but they can uh, make stuff out as long as we're there to meet them like pretty much just in time. So coordinating scheduled pickups and stuff, we can get it on into our truck, uh, uh, like our frozen bank, get it cooled down in the appropriate time frames with all the food safety mm. and then take it uh, to our warehouse and store it in, in the compliant way. But yep. that's a really key benefit because effectively if you look at like what Amazon does, they hold the inventory and stock for the uh, restaurants on behalf of them. Uh, sorry, on the their sellers. Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of doing the same thing for restaurants. Of going like this is how you sell online. It's like you don't have to hold the stock and be cluttered up and not have use of your space. It's effectively like moving moving in online, and that's really the key insight for the restaurants. Going, oh, we can make this stuff, package it up, they take it away, and then it just sells, and we don't have to hold it or do anything yep. or process it. It's just like money coming into my account. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's a really different model and that's something I said to you, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we chatted, right? Like for you guys to take on, in effect, that risk of taking on that product and that kind of stuff, like, but the benefit from a customer's perspective is that is that I can order from different restaurants and it come in the one delivery, right? Like that's the that's the benefit of a model like this. Yeah, correct. I mean, that's that was what it was, you know, as you learn, listen to, as we, you know, originally we thought about this, like, oh, great, it's going to create all these limitations for the end customer um, because, you know, the restaurants put the stock in, it, when it sells, um, you know, that's when they get paid. Yep. Uh, you know, it's going to create all these problems and hassles and now we're going to have to have, you know, each restaurant doing it. Like, well, hold on, why don't we just put it in one box and let the customers order from multiple restaurants? <laughs> and it was just, you know, fantastic experience for them when they can do it. And people still don't quite get it. Like, people are still like, how do I get, like, so it's like, next, is it from the restaurant directly? And it's like, you know, it's this whole different change and way of doing things where it's like you can have multiple restaurants and multiple orders. And the more, um, the better we get at building tools and technology, we want to be even more customer facing. So eventually we really want to understand the end customer and what their life is and effectively almost have it as like a private chef experience facilitated by the restaurants where you can tell us like, okay, what's on your, you tell chef prep, what's on your calendar this week. You tell us who's in your family, what do you like? What don't you like? And then based on that, we look at our restaurants, we match you with them and they create a meal. So if your family, we have some larger options. If you've got parent teacher interviews, you have to go out, you can't do it. Well then not have, we won't send you a box that week. And it's almost like having a crafted experience empowered by these restaurants and chef prep just helps that. And it gives these restaurants a fantastic experience. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Um, what sort of, I imagine with the lockdown at the moment, like brands coming on board cause they've got the capacity to do it. They're open and, and that kind of stuff. Like, but this is a long-term solution, right? This isn't, this isn't something you guys are doing, you know, just for a lockdown period. This is, this is something you started before the lockdown in Sydney. Unfortunately, the lockdowns happened. Um, 
how do you think brands are going to use this as a as a long term option, Josh, moving forward, rather than just something that they can execute now? Yeah, I think it's important. I think like you're seeing all these uh, the brands pivot, like to make at home meals and, and fish. I think that's fantastic, and I, I think that they should be doing that now to support themselves through lockdown. Um, yeah. But I think those experiences will vanish um, once lockdown ends because ultimately. Um, we believe we don't want to replace uh, the restaurant dining experience because that's the magic, right? It's like, I love going to restaurants. It's my favourite thing. That's what we spend our yeah. free time doing. I agree. Um, but that that experience is just like trying to replicate it at home. And it's like the whole point is to go there and have the magic of interacting with the waiter and like seeing what the chef's done this week and having it made fresh. And there's an approximation of that at home. What we're mm-hmm. really doing is going, make products almost like that are supplementary revenue lines that you can have there that are sold online. So you may uh, have some wine that you want to put with us and some these meals and other items like dry goods, like oils and pastas and all these different lines that you can make. But the benefit of our model is that we focus on longer shelf life products so that you have, you'll always have a time when you're not that busy. It may be a Monday, it may be a slow week, whatever it is, you can then make more products and have them online and sell so that effectively you're not just beholden to when customers are coming in to your physical store, but you also have this online store presence. And really what we want to do is like, when you're not busy in the restaurant, use this. And if you don't put stuff in for like six weeks because you're slammed, right, that's that's what we want to be achieving where you are actually super busy at the moment. You don't have time to focus on chef prep, keep it there. But then when you do come back up and, you know, there's always going to be a quiet period, maybe raining and, you know, you don't have a, that many bookings for that week or whatever period, whatever random thing happens, you'll have some downtime to make some products and be able to put them online. You don't have to store them. You don't have to fill them. Don't do that. It's like, great. I've just got chef prep on the background and it's mm-hmm. making me money. And that's what we want to do. We want to be taking all these periods where you're not busy leveraging all the costs that you have of your, um, you know, rent and equipment effective as well is that there's a real pipeline problem in the hospitality industry where people just aren't becoming uh, chefs anymore. They're just, there's not as many people going into the industry and that's, yeah. you know, affect border closures have like doubly impacted that where there's just not enough staff. So this also gives you a great way, like if you're not super busy to keep your staff employed and keep them doing something rather than just doing like we don't have any work for you unfortunately at this point in time it's like great if my staff if we're not busy in the restaurant let's make us some goods for chef prep so we can keep everyone employed and doing things as opposed to just being like i'm either paying them to do nothing so they don't leave or or having to send them down yeah is it are you guys going with a with a focus that um the the venue will need to have so it would need to just come from that one particular venue. Like, are you put, are you thinking that as as Chef Prep builds out, that a certain restaurant will create other brands underneath, you know, underneath their main restaurant in order to do other meals and test other things? Like, we're se- the reason I ask that is we're obviously seeing that in dark kitchens for in real time delivery orders where you'll have one kitchen that's producing, you know six to eight to ten different brands out of the one kitchen in real time from delivery platforms. Are you guys thinking that, you know, the same, the brands that you're working with are going to do sort of the same thing or are you just trying to keep them to their particular their particular restaurant and their particular brand for this point? 
Um, it's, it's a good question. And I, I kind of have a good view of the dark kitchen model sometime mm -hmm. with what it can do to the industry. Um, there's a really great uh, series by Recode um, Media uh, podcast series that I, I suggest people listen to, uh, which is some of the history of the delivery platforms. And the final chapter is really focusing on this dark kitchen model and um, pushing restaurants into creating these um, uh, uh, like like dark brands, and they're doing a bunch of different. Um, underneath them and platforms are pushing their own brands onto the restaurants and saying, hey, here's a set list of recipes and ingredients. I just think that's a shame. I think like you want that authentic connection with the restaurant and with the brand. And I always say that it's, if you look at um, restaurants, they are influencers. Like yeah. obviously most, when we think of influencers, we think of uh, girls posting uh, pictures and promoting clothes on Instagram. That's like the stereotypical thing yes. that you think of. But my point of view is that, like, well, why aren't chefs and restaurants influencers? Most of them, if any small business, like, they don't have to follow your, a great restaurant has. They just don't have that engaged people. People love to follow their favorite restaurants on um, Instagram and uh, Facebook and all these social platforms and see what they're doing and see what they're making. And they have these authentic connections that just are amazing. But no one pays a restaurant to, um, uh, you know, promote their car or promote their clothing brand or whatever it is because it sense. So what we want to do is like, here's a set of tools that you guys can then leverage your audience and build your brand and sell people who are engaged. So if someone doesn't live near you or wants to do it, so it's like, great, you can't come go to the restaurant. Um, I can't go to the restaurant. Oh, they're selling a pasta online that I want to have. Let me buy, buy the pasta from them or whatever it is. So we want to keep building their brands. And our view as well is that we want to also eventually offer digital products as well. So go, you know, offer live streams and, um, that the restaurants can do and cooking classes that you want to purchase from the restaurant. Again, additional revenue streams to make them more robust. But I think it all comes down to, it's like, no, this is supposed to be uh, sustaining. And if you're diluting the brand by creating sub brands and everything like that, that, that's taken away. I think maybe what we'll probably end up seeing is in the only way that I see it moving slightly differently is that certain restaurant tours may be bigger than the individual restaurant brand. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they actually may become the brand and that's what we want to do. We want to give them the tools and the creativity, but we don't want them to be obscured away by chef prep. It's like, we want to be elevating them. And that's why, you know, on the packaging, it's their brand, it's their dishes, it's that. And we provide the tools and the infrastructure to support it, not chef prep doing it. Otherwise we'll just end up becoming, you know, uh, a branded um, meal kit company, which is not what we want to do. Yeah, exactly. Because obviously it's so important for venues to really build out different verticals right now, right? We've talked about it a lot during this conversation already in the fact that having sauces or, or pastas or doing different kind of digital experiences are really are really key to making sure that people come back to your venue because the, the, the end goal is whatever you're doing, whether it be something as amazing as chef prep, is that they you want them to come back to the venue and experience the restaurant experience as well. And chef prep is just another vertical that is a really great format in order to have someone shop your brand more, you know? Um, what is it, has it been difficult for brands to understand, um, to understand these different verticals and, and, and are you having to do, are you guys having to do a lot of, um, education, I suppose, to make sure that they're sort of seeing what you guys are seeing? Because everything you're saying to me, Josh, is just a no-brainer, right? But 
from a restaurateur, like it might be, it might be a bit of a challenge, I suppose. I think, um, you know, the job, the job of a good technology company is to make it simple. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I come back to this, this point about restaurants of being influencers because ultimately, um, what influencers are is they're create the creative people. Right. Um, and it's the domain that they're creative in that allows them to excel. And the food just naturally lends itself to being visual. That's why these restaurants are good, tend to do well online. Mm-hmm. But the reason why they do well visually is because they're creative in the kitchen. And yes. when you give them like parameters about like make food that tastes great when reheated from frozen, like they'll just smash it out. They'll nail it. They're, they're so creative and so talented. Yes. And all you have to do is say, here is how like to make it easy. It's like press this button. Uh, a van will turn up and then money will be in your account. That's, that's the sum total of what you need to do. And then it's like, okay, I get it. And it's just like, the problem is that we're having right now is like, and Ellie, my partner, um, she's like, tell them to slow down on, on the creativity uh, aspect of it. She's like, they're doing too much and too many. And, yeah. and they, they're going wild, like, you know, cause it's growing like crazy. And it's like, but that, that's what we want to be doing is getting the restaurants to go, you know, don't focus on the tools. The tools are just there to enable it. Like the tool shouldn't be hard to use. Just click this button and it turns up and the food goes and then at the uh, and then money comes into your account as it sells down. Yeah, just really super simple, right? Um, so what uh, my sort of final question to you, Josh, is like what what are you looking forward to for Chef Prep? Because it's it's early stages. Um, you've got you guys have got a lot of great ideas of what you're doing. You're obviously succeeding really really quickly at the start of this brand, like what, what are you guys looking forward to, you know, sort of post lockdown and, and building out chef prep? I think um, for me, um, one thing that I, you know, this is uh, a larger point, I, I guess about the ecosystem as well. Like Australia has now been extremely successful at building companies on the world stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I mean, after a Canva, Atlassian, um, Safety Culture, all these technology companies, um, uh, you know, have been built here and built locally, but have a global presence and are on the world stage. And mm. the benefit of that is that they add back to the ecosystem. And by that, I mean, the salaries stay here, the money comes back into taxation, um, and it keeps paying it forward. And for me, I, I really want to try build something that scale that then adds back to the Australian ecosystem where we're not just a sales office um, and all the profits and value gets sucked up outside of the ecosystem yeah. and goes elsewhere. It's like, I would like Australia to be like the source of this next, you know, have these, ha- have these, um, you know, uh, companies built here for the ecosystem so that we can continually add back. And eventually, you know, hopefully there's more companies like us. And if you look at, you know, Mr. Yum, all these uh, different technology platforms that are coming out of Australia, it's like fantastic that we have this because it means more staying in the ecosystem when more of us. And then as you have more people, then all it's all self-fulfilling and perpetuating because then instead of having, um, you have more people that are able to go to restaurants and, and mm-hmm. do that if we have, you know, the taxes coming back here as well, we're able to invest and get more people into the ecosystem and train and do all that so really for us post lockdown we want to keep executing on this vision of empowering restaurants with diverse revenue streams but also making sure that we build it up internally we build up a robust culture inside australia as well so that the ecosystem grows here and we're not just like sucking things out that's what i want to be i want to be that brand that is known of helping australian australia helping australian restaurants and helping the industry overall yeah awesome 
I'm glad you're going with that philosophy, man. I, I think it's a it's a no brainer how how good you guys are going to go. Um, what a lot of people listening to the podcast, obviously in Sydney, um, would probably want to get in contact right and learn a bit more. So, what's the best way they can find out more about Chef Prep if they've got a Sydney venue? Um, so they can email. Uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but whatever. It's, it's out there. <laughs> My email is Josh at Chef prep.com.au you can also even email um simon at chefprep.com.au he'll help you get set up and running um uh with chef prep we usually help you um uh with a variety of different things like we also walk through like suggestions and get with like tasting like how to do the testing to make sure that the products do taste good and then Mm -hmm. helping you with photo shoots and all the things that make your products look a million dollars online so it looks like that experience um so email us it's josh at chefprep.com .com.au or simon at chefprep.com.au uh, we'll engage and reach out and just uh, help you guys where we can and then we also uh, have a head of marketing who also will help you promote promote it to our audience and your audience to drive mm-hmm. sales for you guys as well and we just really want to help the restaurants during this period which is why we're like eliminating delivery fees eliminating a whole variety of different things just to drive more revenue back beautiful uh, as always linked up in the show notes of this podcast so you guys can Got get in contact with chef prep Thanks so much for your time, Josh. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to chat. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one. As always, please comment, like, and share this podcast. We're doing this podcast with you in mind. So make sure you share it along to your friends. And if you don't know us at Poe, Sash, my co-founder from Principal Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design, wayfinding, and graphic design, then check them out at principaldesign.com.au and myself at Open Pantry Consulting for anything to do with systems and processes to make your business run even more smoothly. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Chef's Hat for supporting us. And until next time, stay safe.